Welcome to episode three of Dr. Dave on Call. I'm your host, Dr. Dave. Thanks for joining me today in the studio. I thought we would dedicate uh, a whole entire episode on potential therapies of COVID-19. Um, there is a lot of fear of the unknown right now. Am I going to catch this virus? Am I going to get sick? And because there's no treatment, am I going to die? And I think that we should dedicate an entire episode on what I believe could be a really um, excellent option for treatment and prophylaxis um, while we try to develop more longer-term therapies like vaccines. And the reason why we, we need to do this now, as the uh, both private and government industries are coming together for drug trials um, and also vaccine developments, is the fact that vaccines will take time. And we don't have time because every day there are new cases and that there are, that there are more and more um, you know, fatalities from COVID-19. So we need something that can help immediately. And in my opinion, I firmly believe that human uh, convalescence serum is that um, treatment that can help in the interim while we develop more longer-term uh, um, options like vaccines. In addition to vaccines... Will take time to develop, but they may not even work at all, or they may have very um, small or or limited impact on COVID nineteen in itself. For example, let's take for example HIV. HIV does not have a vaccine, and we've been studying that for um, decades. So let's talk about vaccines in general and why. Um, they are treatments for um, terrible diseases that have now been eradicated. So let's start with what the purpose of vaccines are. They are to provide us immunity towards nasty viruses that used to be around that are not anymore because of vaccines. And in my opinion, you know, vaccines are one of the most important um, human inventions and um, you know processes that we've developed in the history of mankind. Um, it's up there with you know clean water, sanitation, hand washing, all these different things that have really protected the existence of the human species. So vaccines work in a very elementary and general way of describing it, their jobs is for the immune system to produce antibodies. And we've heard a lot about in the media, well, antibody production. Well, what are antibodies? In a very simplistic way, antibodies are created by our immune system. They are proteins that, for a sole purpose, uh, specifically tailored to this discussion, to recognize bacteria and viruses and kill them. Very simplistic definition, but that's the gist of it. Antibodies are proteins that recognize bacteria and viruses in our body and kill them. 
And so that's essentially what's happening. For example, if you get the flu vaccine, you get the flu vaccine, it's not always the nicest thing, especially in, in you know when you're taking your children to get their yearly flu shot. But you get the flu shot, you get through, you manage the pain that, that, that happens, and what happens is your immune system begins to make antibodies very quickly, actually. And these antibodies are going to be produced by your immune system. So during the course of the flu season, it can recognize if you get that particular strain of flu that's in that vaccine, that your body can mount, again, a defense process to kill that virus in your body. We had mentioned in a, on our previous um, you know, episode that what is really the brass tacks of your immune system. It's basically your armor to protect you from really bad, um, you know, pathogens that could come inside your body and, and harm you. So that's essentially what happens. So if we talk about you receiving a vaccine and you producing your own antibodies to that vaccine, whether it be the flu vaccine, this is really what we call active immunity. It's when your own body creates these antibodies. But this entire episode, I'd like to focus on what's called passive immunity. And passive immunity means using somebody else's antibodies. So essentially a person who has recovered from COVID-19, utilizing their antibodies and putting it into a susceptible person who has COVID-19 for treatment. And that is essentially the concept of convalescent serum. So let's, let's discuss what convalescent serum is. Let's discuss the history behind it. We'll even discuss the process of how we get the convalescent serum um, and, and the ways which it, it could actually help. So let, let's start talking about um, the history of it, because convalescent serum has been around for many, many years. In fact, they've during the 1918 H1N1 pandemic, the Spanish flu, um, utilized convalescent serum from those people who had recovered from the flu, and they they used that and infused that convalescent serum from recovered. Uh, Spanish flu patients. Um, in one study, they, they had mentioned over 7,000 people received this. And they overall found that it decreased mortality rate. Now, obviously, this is a very old study from you know, the early 1900s, but um, convalescent serum has used to treat other, um, you know, pandemics and epidemics too, from polio to measles to mumps. Um, most recently in um, 2009, during the H1N1 flu pandemic that, um, that was, you know, suffered globally with many, many deaths, they had a large study that used um, convalescent serum from H1N1 recovered patients, and they infused it into um, those susceptible people with H1N1, and they found that it actually decreased their mortality rate. And it also decreased their viral load. So as we know, viral load means the amount of virus that's replicating in your body. 
So obviously, higher viral loads means that you are experiencing a whole lot of virus in your body, which can affect other organs and other systems. The lower the viral load, the less amount of virus that's replicating in your body, which is good. So you want to decrease your viral load. And in these patients, when they infuse them with convalescent sera, their viral loads went down from H1N1. Another uh, historical example um, was in 2013 in West Africa during the Ebola crisis. Convalescent sera was uh, given from patients, taken from, from, from patients um, and, uh, who had recovered from Ebola and given them into patients who were suffering from active Ebola. And, and they did better. All of them recovered. So the reason why I want to talk about this is because one, I think convalescent sera is going to be a, a, a really important um, process to help us get through this, this COVID-19 pandemic. But two, it really has to do with the onus comes upon the donor, the donor who has recovered from COVID-19, which is a l- lot different than depending on you know private and governmental research studying this drug or that drug or making this vaccine in the lab, you know, using animal models and then getting it through regulatory um, approval towards human trials and, you know, phase one and phase two. What, what convalescent sera relies upon is the individual who has recovered from COVID-19 voluntarily goes and gives their blood and I think that's a really important aspect that we should discuss because it's a really empowering process when a person who has suffered from COVID-19 recovers from COVID-19 and implicitly says, you know what, I really want to help. I really want to help out during this pandemic and has a specific role to play in selflessly going to uh, you know, a blood bank or wherever they can collect your blood from and donating it for the purposes of helping other people out. And I don't think we should, um, you know, glaze over that fact. We can talk about the science behind it, and we will. We'll, we'll talk about how convalescent serum works, the technicalities in it. But what I really want to focus on is the fact that it would be an empowering process to have thousands upon thousands of people you know in our country and in our world to come forward and hopefully millions because at this point on april 3rd today you know we've crossed the million marker of cases throughout the world and we'll talk about the timing of this too because there is a time sort of constraints of when you can give and you know what you get the most bang for your buck in terms of giving your blood after you've recovered and who can who can give that to as well. So, but but going back to just the empowerment of, you know, a, per, a, a person who has recovered from COVID-19 saying, I want to give back, you know, my blood so that we can use my blood to help other people who are sick or who are in the front lines fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. I think that's important. So let's let's focus specifically on what convalescent sera is. So convalescent sera is basically it's taking 
the blood of a recovered patient. So you've suffered from COVID-19. You have recovered from COVID-19. And because you have recovered from COVID-19, there is an assumption that your immune system has now built its own antibodies um, against COVID-19 now so that you have the ability to fight COVID-19 yourself, your immune system has. So again, we've talked about active immunity and passive immunity. So because you've been infected by COVID-19, you've recovered by COVID-19, you now have active immunity. You have built your own antibodies. So the purpose of convalescent sera, again, convalescent meaning recovered, from infection or illness is to use the virus neutralizing antibodies that have been made from recovered patients and taking them out of the pa- of, of the recovered patients through a blood draw or apheresis and utilizing those virus neutralizing antibodies and collecting them into a sera that you would inject into those patients who are actively experiencing COVID-19 infections and also using it. So we're using it as a treatment, but then we're also using it as what's called a prophylaxis. So essentially you're infusing these, an, these virus neutralizing antibodies into, let's say, frontline healthcare workers who have not had COVID-19. But if we give them this antibodies, these viral neutralizing antibodies, that we could protect them from COVID-19 if they were to be infected, they could fight it off and have essentially very minor symptoms um, or even no symptoms at all. Another group of people that prophylaxis would help would be, let's say, patients with COVID-19 are family members. You could give them to healthy family members that have not um, caught COVID-19 from an infected person. Also high risk um, groups, elderly patients, nursing care uh, facility patients, patients who are potentially, you know, immunocompromised or having chronic lung issues, things like that. Um, These are groups of people that may benefit from prophylaxis of convalescent serum of the virus, um, you know, neutralizing antibodies. So how does this work? Well, okay, one of the things we know about convalescent serum and the production of virus-neutralizing antibodies is that your immune system really makes a robust antibody response very soon after you've recovered from COVID-19 or, or any other illness. And so you would need to collect your, your blood very soon, potentially within you know, a few days to upwards to a week um, so that we could gain the best bang for your dollar because we would like to get the most virus-stimulating antibody, um, you know, know, per capita, so to speak, that we could gain from a recovered patient. So you'd have to give it at a specific time after you've recovered. So what does that assume? Well, that you've recovered. So we need to have tests of these patients who have actually recovered 
from COVID-19. So you do need an assay when you go into these labs if you wanted to donate your, your serum, your recovery serum, your virus-stimulating antibodies. And so we need to first recognize that you have recovered and that you have enough virus-neutralizing antibodies. So there have been some studies where... Um, people who have recovered from these diseases have given their serum for the purposes of helping others. And when they test that serum, they found that there just wasn't enough virus-neutralizing antibodies in there. It's a very small amount. In some of the, the, the literature I've read, for example, during the SARS epidemic, um, you know, there was about 90 patients that they used this process um, and only, I believe, three of them had insufficient virus-neutralizing antibodies. So there is a large proportion. If you are giving your blood, the likelihood that there is enough antibody, virus-neutralizing you know, antibody in there to fight COVID-19, it's likely, um, you know, likely going to be enough. Number two, we need to have blood banking abilities to do this. So that means that the blood bank has to make sure that they have enough, you know, um, supply and staff to collect the blood, to process the blood. Again, we need to have the uh, availability of the assays to measure if you have enough virus neutralizing antibodies. Um, you need the labs to support this assay. So that takes infrastructure there too as well. And we're going to need um, protocols um, that are going to be developed by, um, you know, a lot of different multi-center trials in this to figure out, well, how much sera do we need to give to patients to know that they're giving a, 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 an effect of fighting COVID-19 and treating it versus, as we had mentioned before, prophylactically giving it to um, healthcare workers or at-risk group. What the literature supports is that when you give a prophylactic dose, it's a smaller dose than if you give a treatment dose. And I think that's important to, to understand. So again, convalescent serum from recovered COVID-19 patients could be a very um, important role of, of our treatment process until we develop longer-term treatments like a vaccine. So obviously, we need to understand, well, what are the risks and what are the benefits of doing this? Well, the risks of giving your blood um, for this process is, is any risk of just blood donation in itself. So our modern blood banking techniques are really great. We screen for really tight screening for other bloodborne pathogens like hepatitis C and HIV to make sure the blood is free of these bloodborne pathogens. Um, again, we, it, it, these are the same risks that you would have if you donated your blood or received a blood transfusion. Um, again, the risks are there to, to have a transfusion reaction too as well. Um, we are infusing, you know, serum, a virus neutralizing antibodies from other patients into, um, you know, patients that will be, um, you know, matched. Obviously, these would be matched donors and recipients too as well. So the risks are low. Um, so I think talking about these risks are important, but we need to out, we need to 
justify this in terms of the benefits. Well, what are the benefits? Right now, um, we don't have any magic you know, drug that can fight coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 specifically. We don't have a vaccine for COVID-19, and that's going to take time. So we need to have an option that takes away this fear of dying from the coronavirus, this fear of our healthcare workers that are being put in harm's way, fear from family members of patients who are suffering from coronavirus, fear of being in an at-risk group, whether you're at a nursing home, you have lung issues, that you may die of coronavirus. And I think convalescent serum can, can address this fear of the unknown, that we can have something available that is incumbent upon people to go and donate their blood and their sera after they recover. And I think that that is a, a viable option. So let's talk about, has this been done, COVID-19 convalescent sera, has this, been, has this been actively tried? Well, yes, there's many multi-center trials going on right now from the United States, from Italy to China, um, to um, Spain. Um, there was a recent article in JAMA that was a uh, case series of five patients in, I believe, Shendang, China. We'll post the articles in the, um, in the uh, show notes. So there are five patients in Shendang, China, and they infused um, convalescent syrup from, from recovered patients. And these five patients were very sick. Um, they were in the intensive care unit. All of them were on ventilators for um, respiratory support. And what they found was that after the infusion, um, as the days progressed, the viral loads of all of these patients from t- to COVID-19 plummeted. They also found that um, as the days went on, that their um, lung issues improved and that they ended up needing um, no ventilator support. And at the time of the posting of the articles, three of the five patients were actually discharged um, home, fully recovered. So I believe that convalescent serum can be an option here. And it can be, um, it could be used uh, both in a prophylactic manner for our healthcare workers, um, our at-risk patients, but also in a therapeutic approach um, we've seen that, you know, in a case series that's relatively small, again, only five patients in China were critically ill, but they, um, they recovered. But we could, we could potentially use it in patients who um, are not critically ill and possibly use it before um, patients progress to critically ill because there is, we know that there, it can be a rapid descent needing um, you know, ICU hospitalizations, ventilator, ventilatory support. Um, and by then, the disease, ha- the, the virus has really taken over. Um, so this could be a potential, a potential therapy um, uh, that, could, that could help. So again, to review, convalescent serum is not something new. This is not you know, a novel drug that's been created by, um, you know, private or governmental entities. And this is not a vaccine that's going to take 18, um, 18 months. Um, this has been used 
you know, for, you know, decades and decades from the Spanish flu in 1918 to, you know, uh, the SARS epidemic in 2003, the H1N1 pandemic from 2009, the Ebola um, pandemic in West Africa in 2013, we have seen convalescent been used in other pandemics and epidemics, and it has worked. Um, and the data supports that too. So because of this, we have also seen it used in other coronaviruses. Again, I mentioned the 2003 SARS epidemic. In 2012, there was the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, the MERS coronavirus, um, 2012. And um, three patients, I believe, were treated with convalescent serum too as well, and they improved as well. So we've seen it both in other viruses and pandemics, but also other coronavirus epidemics too, and it's worked. So in my opinion, by giving the giving the onus on human beings and individuals who have recovered from this nasty uh, virus that has taken thousands and thousands of lives so far just in a few months, this could be a great answer. Obviously, we need more um, trials. We need more protocols on this. We need collaborative data from other countries around the world so we can share um, what we believe would be acceptable virus neutralizing antibody levels, how much um, you know, sera we should be injecting for both prophylaxis and treatments. But this could be, um, this could be a really important game-changing um, you know, uh, option that has been well-studied before. So I, I wanted to, to make sure we spent a good portion just on this treatment because, in my opin opinion, this could be a great um, option. We'll talk about other treatments too. We need to spend some time on, you know, what are vaccines and how are vaccines going to help us longer term. We should we should talk up briefly about, um, you know, other medications and drugs that have been in the media lately, from hydroxychloroquine to other experimental drugs too, as well. But for this episode, I wanted to focus on convalescent serum for the treatment and prophylaxis of COVID nineteen. Um, we hope. I hope you've learned, uh, you know, what, what this is and what, you know, what we can use this for. Um, if you have any questions, um, feel free to contact us. We're trying to make this as interactive as possible. Um, you could um, email us at hello at drdaveoncall.com. You could tweet us. Our, our, um, our, our name is Dr. Dave on Call. Happy to take any questions that way. You can even call us too, 877-DR-DAVE-5. Um, and we'll uh, look forward to, to interacting with you and, and talking with you more on the next episode. Take care, stay safe and healthy.